my brain operates faster than my mouth can, and I make up for the difference by skipping words, which probably sounds like a connection issue. <laughs> it's a connection between your mouth and your brain issue. Yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dedicated Nerds Podcast, Episode 5. I'm Rob Fiorandino. I'm here with my co-host, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, all. And Carney. Say hello, Carney. Hello, our one listener. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about some nerdy things, and if it's not nerdy, it will be by the time we're done with it. What are, what are we talking about, Carney? I think you had you had something on your mind. Oh, I've got a bunch of things on my mind, but the first thing is I pretty much decided... Well, on the, our notes, I said that I wanted a Chromebook, which is sort of true, but I've decided that what will fit my needs is I'm going to get me an Android tablet. And the one I've decided that I think will work best for me is a Lenovo ten, Lenovo 4 10-inch. You're not going with the Amazon $80 version? No. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't like the let's be locked into an ecosystem. I'd honestly go for one of the cheapo kid foam padded ones if there was a a 10 inch version what i'm really looking for is a book reader plus you know a book reader i can watch netflix on that's that's you know not a not a toy if that makes sense you want to and you want to have a keyboard you want to have like a physical keyboard you don't want like an ipad or a no, well, I, I want the option of a physical keyboard. A Lenovo, I mean, it's got a touch screen, so I shouldn't need it for most things. But I want the option of a physical keyboard. Gotcha. What are yeah. you, what are you using, Dave, for that uh, for that task? Which task is this? I the reading and you know watching movies in bed, that kind of thing. The the, the tablet yeah. kind of thing. I know you've got a few laptops as well. Yeah, I'll have to look. I think it's a Lenovo. I won it at a raffle, so that's why I don't know much Ooh. about it. I didn't research it. It was free. But uh, yeah. I think it's a it's about a 9-inch device uh, running Android. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, my wife has got a uh, Kobo book reader, which works really well for her. And mm-hmm. I've got a Wait, large... What was the brand name? Kobo. K-O-B-O. Kobo? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. I haven't heard of that. And, um, anyway, I, I, I use my phone for that, but you know, with my eyesight that it, how to put this is that I don't want to be walking around the house with my phone and it, it, after a while I do get some eye strain from that. So I wanted something a little bit larger, something more of a book form factor. And I was thinking, you know, a Chromecast type, you know, very lightweight, um, laptop, you said Chromecast. You meant Chromebook. Yeah, sorry. Yes, I meant Chromebook. And I started looking at a ten-inch, a ten-inch tablet is about three times the surface area of my six-inch phone. So I'm thinking, yeah, that'll probably do it for me. And that's also about the form factor of a paperback book. So that should that should be usable. Yeah, and with the e-readers, you should be able to crank up the text size to whatever you want, and that's. I do that on my iPad, and it's very handy. Yeah, I do that on my phone as well. But the, then you start getting into where, you know, a page is like, you know, two sentences, mm-hmm. which, I, which I do on my phone. But I'd like to have, you know, <laughs> a little more yeah, words. No, 
yeah, it'll be much better for you on the on a, on a ten inch size device because then you can yeah you can have five or six sentences instead of two. <laughs> yeah, and it's um using NuGat seven point one to, uh, shares the same operating system as my current phone, which will re- reduce okay. my aggravation level. So I was looking for a phone, uh, not a phone, a tablet that had the same, ideally the same version of Android as my phone. And are you using the uh, Amazon the Amazon reader for the most part, or how no. are you buying your books? I go through Alkido. Um, I do, which is my preferred reader. I do Google Play, and I buy some from um, Bain Books, B A E N. They're a publisher, and okay. they all of their books are DRM free. You know that's that nice. Yeah, you know, it's like we trust our readers. If you run across anybody who's systematically cheating us, please let us know. But, you know, we're not going to punish our honest readers to to do something about the crooks. So so you're reading everything with that same reader then? Yes, yes. That's nice. Well, yeah, you got to have like one one or two things where you keep it centralized or it turns into chaos. Exactly. I, I use EPUB. Anything that will do EPUB or, well, of course, Adobe. You know, you've got to have. But EPUB is yeah. my preferred. Um, yeah, the PDFs kind of suck, though, because I don't think there's a way to scale the text size in a PDF, is there? There's a lot of things I have no idea how to do in a PDF. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think PDF. that's the whole point of a PDF is it keeps the layout, you know, locked no matter, you know. Mm-hmm. So you, so you can actually like set up a page how you want it to be displayed as opposed to an e-reader or an, yeah, an EPUB or a, a Mobi file for the Amazon people or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's really great. I mean, I've been doing the ebook thing for a long time and I love the ability to make the text size bigger, smaller. Yeah. And with me, it's also I can carry a library around with me, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing better than being on vacation and you you run out of a, you don't have a book, you finish the book you're on and, hey, I got this next one here and it's super easy. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to getting a, a new uh, a new iPad Pro uh, when they come out in the fall because I've actually been editing the podcasts on, on my iPad and works out really well and I'm looking forward to the, to a little bit faster version. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of behind the times, I guess. I've just been making do with my phone. Because, again, I have one of the big six-inch phones. So, you know, that was sort of yeah. like half a tablet. But as tablets have gotten bigger and I've gotten more plugged in, I guess, <laughs> with my vision well, getting a worse. The, a lot of the original tablets were six or seven inches. I mean, that's I think the first Kindle was like less than six inches. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's when this phone came out. It was like, whoa, this is basically a tablet. I can have my cake and eat mm-hmm. it too. My big complaint about tablets has always been I can't make phone calls on them, so you know it's not right. going to be my carry around device. And so what with the new with with NuGet, you can't do that. It's not built. You can, in. I know on on iOS at least on the Apple stuff. You can you can link your laptop. You do your desktop, your laptop, your watch, or your tablet to link to your phone and be able to make phone calls if you want to. Well, I probably could come up with some way of doing that. If nothing else, USB docking it or something. But it the main point is is that I don't want to carry around both of them. If I'm in the house, I don't 
you know, I don't need that. And I, I would look into that because I think there might be a way to do that. If they're if they're keeping feature parity with Apple, which I think they kind of are, there might be a way, and maybe our listeners can let us know, but there might be a way to just do it as long as they're both on the same Wi-Fi network. Well, again, that doesn't do anything for me because Wi-Fi network means home. Is that th- what I wanted was something I could carry with me and make phone calls with and also read books. Oh, I see. Not not just inside the house. Right, you inside leave, the house. Wait, you actually problem. leave the house once in a while? <laughs> I, I try not to, <laughs> but yes, I do leave the house. Yeah, you've hmm. just thrown me off there. I assume this was all at your house. <laughs> now, I, I mean, w- right now at home, my preferred reading platform is my PC. So... You know, I read stuff on the PC, on my big screen. As what I'm looking for is something that I can, you know, lie in bed or in front of the TV and be, you know, I basically want a book reader for the home. I'm not looking for something to carry around to replace my phone. I'm looking for something where I don't have a teeny tiny screen at home where my choices are 34-inch monitor, immobile, or 6-inch screen, eye strain. <laughs> yeah, no, you gotta you got to get yourself into the... Uh the early part of this decade and get yourself an e-reader. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I'm fully yeah. behind your, your, your purchases. <laughs> well, I think that might be something to consider though, is that, you know, you're talking about buying something that's going to be kind of heavyish, and the e-readers are designed to be lighter and easier to use in bed. So yeah, if I look, it's 500 grams for the one I'm looking at, which is, Maybe a little bit heavier than a book, but I've got big hands, and for I have absolutely no problem spanning a six-inch phone with one hand, and use, you know, and I'm looking at a ten-inch as being just about right for me to hold with one hand, and the weight doesn't sound unreasonable. Yeah, I wasn't talking so much about the size as the weight. Over time, I'm even my iPhone Seven Plus. Over time, it gets heavy. I'll have to see, I suppose. Um, I could run into the kitchen yeah. and weigh my phone and see what the baby. <laughs> <I don't> <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little different when it's ten inches too, because you you'll be tempted to hold it with two hands every once in a while. I'm sure. Quite possibly, but I can span a ten inch phone with or a ten inch tablet with one hand. You know, have my thumb on one side and my finger on the other side. And having the ability to to browse some websites while you're laying in bed trying to get to sleep is, I guess that's a mixed blessing. It's it's <laughs> cool, but it also is like not something that, for me, reading kind of puts me to sleep a little bit. But if I'm like surfing the web and looking at news, that's going to just keep me awake. But that has more to do with the news, I think, than, than the device. <laughs> yes, let's not talk about the news. <laughs> yes. Even though I think we're all more or less on the same political page, it's still not good for us. <laughs> well, as a general rule, they don't publish news that's boring. So, it's yeah, that's right. It's intended to be dog exciting. bites man, no news. Man bites exactly. dog, news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dog runs country, news. Wait, <laughs> we weren't going there. Was that? I was. I might. I was just thinking. I might have crossed the line there. Sorry, I didn't say which country. Moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. What what else we what else do we have to talk about here? I I know we've got a we've got a we've got a topic bin that uh at the risk of turning off the audience looks a little stale, but uh 
Is there anything in there that uh, is exciting you guys? Well, I was wondering about the garden tech that seems to have been added. Oh, yeah. We've got uh, – that's uh, that's all happening here at my house, and I was in- I'm interested to hear what uh, Dave's situation is, but uh, my wife and I installed a – a, I'm not sure exactly what it's called or what the brand is, but it's uh, it's one of these devices that's got a. It's connected to Wi-Fi and it's got a little. It's got its own little hub. That you so far, he's described everything from a refrigerator to. I know. A I'll just let me finish for God's sakes. <laughs> all right. So it's got a little. I'm just trying to lay it all out here for all the nerds in the audience. And it's got a little Wi-Fi hub. What it is? <laughs> yes, and then it connects wirelessly to. The uh, the, uh, the hose. It's oh, a hose oh. outlet thing. It's a switch. It's kind of like a switch for your garden. So it'll. It's got four little spigots, and it turns them on at set intervals. And we've got some seep hoses because we've got multiple gardens in our in our yard. We've got a back. We've got a, a vegetable garden in the back. We've got an herb garden on the side of the house, and then there's a bunch of flowers in the front. Yeah. Dave, does this sound like he's describing a sprinkler system? <laughs> It is a sprinkler system. Why the hell couldn't I think of a, the word sprinkler system? It wasn't, but it's all, we had to buy it all as separate pieces. So there's like the, it's a, well, it's not a sprinkler. It's a seep hose system, but yeah, whatever. I, I didn't say I was articulate in any way. I'm just doing a podcast for God's sakes. You're describing something that I believe my father was doing in our yard back in the seventies, except, yes, for, but except he, for the wireless he was, part, but everything exactly, else. He wasn't. He wasn't programming it on his phone and uh, doing all that good stuff. But that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So anyway, I think. And uh, we've had some the, – the only problem is that uh, the tomatoes in our vegetable garden have grown so much that they, they like, were heavier than the sticks that Zan had put up to hold them in place. So oh, wow. it was, like, it was amazingly effective. So we just got to – we got to put some rebar back there, I think, so that it doesn't uh, tip over anymore. No. Well, I, from, I can't remember the name of the show, but I watched a show once that was talking about greenhouse gardening in, um, I think, Holland or someplace, but they were showing a tomato place. And the tomatoes in the greenhouse in the controlled environment were growing like a foot and a half a day. And they would just wow. literally, you know, string, they, they, they move them from one set of racks to another, just making, you know, I don't know how to describe yeah. it, but they take it. Pull it out of the rack, move it like to the right a little bit so that they'd bend the bottom part of the stock, pin it back to the rack, you know, and to keep it at the same level so it could be picked. And it was going like, a, you know, a foot and a half a day and producing like a hundred pounds. Of, and this was just one plant. <laughs> yeah. And we have, I mean, seriously, we have about, she pulled out a dozen tomatoes this morning and it was when she kind of she kind of did some maintenance to make it less bushy and it's just insane but it's been really hot here and we're watering it twice a day so it's like yeah it's gonna gonna make some damn tomatoes <laughs> tomato salad sliced tomato pickled tomatoes oh, tomato jam <laughs> tomato in the exactly. bathtub we got, we got, you, you, wait, do you have what's to have the bathtub right? yeah, yeah do you have this, to have a zucchini plant because what you really need is you need a tomato a zucchini and a pepper plant to completely bury your house and produce what's uh what's what's norma got going for the for the garden tech and you dave 
for the garden technology. I know she's she's got quite a green thumb. Yeah, from a watering perspective, it's it's much less technological. It's it's just a ti- hose timer with uh, I think two different zones. One going mm-hmm. to the stuff that uh, you want to water more heavily, and one that you're going to do less so. And so, but yeah, it's been a, over 110 the last week or so so the garden has just pretty much been trying to stay alive we aren't really concentrating on any produce coming out what's she had planted um peppers tomatoes cucumbers okra uh that's the active stuff that's another one that oh, okra is probably the only thing out there that looks like it's happy it, it loves 110 really i mean I'll grant you, I never did any gardening in that much heat, but my experience with peppers was down in Pensacola was like, <laughs> we had one bush pepper that almost took over our kitchen. I had an entire cabinet filled with peppers that were drying and I didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> you know, it was yeah, the hot no. um, chili pepper type. Oh, those, well, I mean, about every five or six years we get a summer like this um, where it's 110 for a string, and really, okra is the only thing that does well in that. Hopefully, in a couple weeks, it'll drop back down, and other things will start producing. But right now, it's just it's a it's amazingly warm out, and the plants indicate that. So, what what is okra exactly? <laughs> not not having not not having ever lived south of the Mason Dixon line. I mean, I looked it up. It looks kind of like a spiky cucumber, I guess. Yeah. So it's the flesh is filled with a kind of a slimy substance that's really oh, high. Oh, you're making me hungry. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and that and that's usually the thing that most people object to about it. Um, but it's also the it, it acts like starch in a lot of dishes. When you're talking about something like gumbo, a nice thick gumbo, what's thickening it, if it's real gumbo, is okra. Right. Yeah, I, I believe that uh, substance is very high in fiber, and yeah, like uh, Carney's saying, it's it's it, it's a good binder for things like gumbo and so on. But so, do you just slice it up like cucumbers and then throw it in the pot, or do you kind of dry yeah. it out and crush it, or? We don't do a lot of cooking with it. Uh, we throw it on the grill. She likes it grilled. Once a year, she'll deep fat fry some because that's like the traditional way to get it past most people's <laughs> detector. Um, okay. What I've seen it done is you, you basically dice it and cook it along with other aromatic vegetables. Think mirepoix, but with, you know, okra in there. And think, wait. Think what? You said, I think you said something else that I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, mirepoix, the carrot, onion, celery mixture that's the base of a lot of cooking. You know, you throw that in. If you're going to make okay. stock, you throw that in. You you throw in um, your bones and stuff and cook it down. It, it's aromatic vegetables that when you cook them a lot, add flavor rather than simply turning into mush. Hmm. Um, All right. You've never heard of that, I really? No, I haven't. favorite approach is uh, throwing in tomatoes, because I think the acid in the tomato has a tendency to kind of deal with the slime and make it more palatable. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
it's kind of like going to McDonald's and when you have a hamburger, you also want to make sure you get a Diet Coke to kind of cut all the grease. I'm never going to eat again listening to you. Uh Okay, here we go. I had to look it up. Amirapois, French pronunciation, blah, blah, blah. I think I got it right. Is diced vegetables cooked for a long time on gentle heat without coloring or browning, usually with butter or other fat or oil. It is not sauteed or otherwise hard cooked. The intention being to sweeten rather than caramelize. Do you guys have sea poses or do you have sprinklers or? Oh, I don't even know what a sea pose is then, I guess. I, I thought that was the brand of timer. No, what we use is basically uh, drip hose variations. I think the one that she likes the best is where you, you have a, uh, you just have a standard hose. Well, I shouldn't say it's standard. It's about the size around a, of a pencil. And wherever you want to have watering take place, you cut it and insert a little uh, disc. And on each side of the disc, you reattach the uh-huh. hose. And at that point, then water just slowly weeps out of that uh, disc. Okay. So, no, I, well, I, I don't. Spraying it, up, spraying it up in the air, you know, ends up just making it humid. Right. No, that's not a good idea. Now, we have ones that are like black foam or whatever, and they just seep everywhere so it's basically you just you don't get to control you just not like a little sprinkler head where you get to put it where you want it it's just kind of the whole thing just seeps oh you have okay so it's a standard size hose type thing but it just it, it weeps along the entire length yeah that's correct i mean it's got it's well it's got like plastic ends that have that are the standard size so you can screw them into a regular hose so you do like a regular hose up to your garden, and then you do like a big an S pattern or whatever kind of along the rows or in between the rows, um, and then yeah, it just seeps. But the the hose itself, the seep hose itself, is that's it's a little bit smaller. It's probably about seventy percent the size of a of a regular garden hose in uh, diameter, but works really well. And uh, combined with the uh, the not sprinkler timer, the Melnor Rain Cloud Internet Controlled Smart Water Irrigation Timer. See, now you now you wonder why I didn't know the name of it. Uh, it works really well, though. And you know what? As I'm willing to bet that basically it's the same old sprinkler controller from the 70s with a yeah. Wi-Fi chip interface. Yeah, oh yeah, and and well, it's got some it's got some mechanical elements so that it can and it's battery operated, so you know. It can open and close itself, but yeah, it's the same as if you were just to go. I've seen them. I mean, you can buy them for not anywhere near a hundred dollars at the hardware store, where you just go up and you turn the switches or the valves. Yeah, I don't know. But that's I, no that's... fun. You know what? Where do you get? You can't program that to go on twice a day and intermittently squirts. It squirts for two minutes and then stops for eight minutes and then squirts for two minutes again. It's awesome. You know something? I think I understand why so many people kill their gardens. <laughs> yeah. You know, is that if you apply sufficient good technology to any problem, you automatically create bad technology. <laughs> <laughs> Am I you doing know, it wrong? Is that what you're saying? Two, two good solutions glued together do not make a great solution. <laughs> well, I don't know. We had some amazing tomatoes, so... And- <laughs> And we've got some hot peppers, which, oh, my God, are, are literally the, I don't know what kind she bought, but 
They are the hottest peppers I've ever had in my life. I tried one just to see how hot it was, and I couldn't eat anything else for about 20 minutes after that. I'm not surprised. I I ran the same thing. Is that when you have peppers that, I don't know what it is, but it seems like home garden peppers are not like the same thing at the store. No. (laughs) Both in a good and a bad way. (laughs) Right. I mean, I can't garden here in Atlanta with our house, but. when I had my little, it wasn't a garden the way you guys are doing it. It was a container garden, mm. and the I just hand watered with a watering can, you know, and and fussed over it by hand, and um, got more produce than you could eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I yeah, I visualize the, your you, your gardens and I'm thinking are you feeding the entire neighborhood families are well, you <laughs> and it's not that much it's like we only have like one we have one like beefsteak tomato plant we have one cherry tomato and one some other kind of like long thin tomatoes and it's like okay this is ridiculous I can't imagine if we would have actually planted like two or three of each well it seems we got, to me we like more than con- we can eat your conditions must be. I mean, maybe this is a repeatable event, but I know we've had years where, you know, things were just insanely awesome. And then you wait five to ten years for that to repeat. So hopefully it's not a one-off. Well, I'll tell you one thing that if you're gardening in the same area, pests and pests tend to build up and nutrients Mm. tend to be depleted. You know, of course, I'm sure you guys know that, though. We do. We do. We both grew up in Iowa, so we're. (laughs) <laughs> we were taught we were taught crop rotation at an early age so yeah i'm sure um, the, the hot humid uh, the hot humid weather here i hope doesn't repeat itself but uh it's certainly and and we bought you know we have a raised garden so we bought all new dirt and of course my wife bought the super fancy dirt so yeah i don't think next year it's going to have anywhere near the nutrients that it has now so we'll pour chemicals on it. It'll be fine. No, take your, what, what you do is you, you take the um, raised garden, spread it out in your grass where it'll do some good and have a new raised garden. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not doing it to, to, to economize. You're, doing, you're gardening for fun, right? Yeah. Well, yes. She's then, gardening for fun. I'm sitting in the house while she's gardening for fun. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just buy new dirt. Don't worry about the chemicals. Well, there you go. That's not a bad idea. Because having watched my father for years and years and years do the chemical route, is that nothing can destroy the fertility of a soil faster than an amateur with a few bags of chemicals. Yeah. Well, what as a professional, Dave, what uh, what do you recommend? Well, in-town gardening is going to be hard. You, you almost have to, I mean, either rotate your crops uh, so that you don't have the buildup of uh, pests and... Hopefully you can, you know, mix some legumes in there for nitrogen fixation and all that good stuff. But now in a small area like what we have and what you have, yeah, you're kind of stuck to a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, Carney's idea of take the soil, drag it across the uh, yard and buy new is probably viable. But uh, from what I've seen, that's extraordinarily spendy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. I mean, seriously, how much is dirt? I mean, I've never bought I've never bought planting soil that I recall in volume. So, we had a four by eight. We have a four by eight raised garden, which isn't for the vegetables, which isn't huge. And I think it took about 
10 bags of 5 to $10 each bag. So 50 to to $100 in, in dirt. Once a year. Okay, I'm not seeing spending. Once a, for a 4 by 8 Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 and if you have a use for that dirt somewhere else in the yard, which I do actually, that might actually be a, an option. Yeah, because what I'm thinking is that around here, just <clears throat> my my yard is not completely flat. And, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of runoff. So adding a little bit of, you know, sand or dirt or something to keep it level is just something you need to do. So, you know, why not have a two-stage process, garden to yard? <laughs> well, I think the inputs on my potatoes were... Probably about $35 worth of dirt, and we got about a dollar and a half worth of potatoes, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, no, no, I'm not, this is like fishing. It's like nobody goes fishing because they want to save money on fish, and nobody gardens because they want to save money on vegetables. It's, apparently it's fun for some people to do both of those things. I'm not, not I mean, if you, if you like fishing, if you like gardening, God love you, but it's just like, I'm not into that. Not into fishing any, anymore. I used to be, but it's, yeah, and gardening holds about as much interest as mowing the lawn for me. So, yeah. I used to like my container garden, but in where we're living right now, it might as well just be referred to as a raccoon snack bar. <laughs> you know, there's just no point. Yeah. And that's without getting we, into the poison sumac and poison ivy we've got out back. Well, yeah. You don't have your flare scope and a pellet gun to take care of raccoons? The raccoons around here would probably shoot back. They're about as urbanized oh. as they get. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, dude, you just shot me. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be in your garbage can next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm coming back for you, pal. <clears throat> Unless we want to talk about wishes. I wish I had a... a um, greenhouse i've always wanted to have a nice little greenhouse you know i could do container gardening without actually going outside what wait what how so what's container gardening i don't know what's that referred to exactly is that like growing weed in the basement or what is that well yeah actually though that's more like hydroponics but it just i had a big patio in pensacola and i had large pots basically very large pots. Oh, okay and, you know and i had a tomato pot and a pepper pot and <laughs> okay a zucchini pot and you know it was it was, it was like a garden with yeah. rows it's just in containers instead of gotcha. in the ground no i i understand yeah it's just the term i've never heard the term pepper or not pepper i've not container garden before we just we've definitely had tomato plants in big pots and stuff like that and yeah that works great in fact, I tried tried to get my wife to do that first, but she would have nothing. She would hear nothing of it. Right, it's it's the fishing thing again. You, you must go after trout with teeny tiny little lines, and you must garden in the dirt. Yes, and the lures must cost ten dollars each. <laughs> yes, yeah. We have some. We have an amazing. We have some awesome like little carts that you move around the yard and you can sit on them and <laughs> there's secret compartments in there and then they're all flower patterns and stuff. She's showing off. How soon is she getting her Minnesota Master Gardeners certification? Oh, yeah. We should, I, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to tell her that that's a possibility. Wait, what's this? Oh, Master Gardener. It's uh something I've been looking into just to 
to fill some time. It's not really expensive, but time-wise it is consumptive. And at the end of it, you're going to know more about what, what grows well and how to grow things well in your area. So, you know, if so you, this is a certification, a training program, a Yeah, a, tell, tell a us club. about it here. <laughs> um, it's a, a certification in some states, and it's definitely a training thing. Um, I wouldn't call it a club, but again, it's just the, you know, the extension, typically it's the extension office offers a program, a training program, maybe once a year, and you learn about what grows in your area and how may, how to make it grow and just general care and maintenance of the, uh, your local ecosystem. Oh, okay. This is not something I ever knew about. Interesting. I'm I'm looking it up right now. I just did a Google search for Minnesota Master Gardeners, and there is a University of Minnesota, and they they have a little web page. Ask a Master Gardener if you have some questions. And oh yeah, see, there's there and there's like little meetings you can go to and show off your fancy tools. <laughs> okay, this is really starting to sound like fishing. <laughs> I'm going to beat this analogy. Does does Norma have a master gardening certificate, Dave? No, no. We well, I'm I was pondering getting one, but if we're going to move the what what grows in Dallas does not grows in te- in Kansas City. So, no. Um there's going to be some overlap, but a great deal of difference. So, I'm trying to just, I might I might hold off until I physically yeah. relocate you, you. I would imagine that you probably have most of the knowledge, except for what species are indigenous to Kansas. You've probably got a lot of the the basic knowledge covered already. Well, it, it's a applied botany as opposed to what I have, which is theoretical botany. Um, I mean, I have some applied botany from farming. I say you got you got a lot of applied botany growing up, but that's that was more beans or you know soybeans and corn. It's not doesn't you know hundreds of different things act, you know, have their own little set of uh, details about them that that matter if you're trying to grow them, so. Well, somebody posted the open offices being bad here. Oh, yeah. Um, I have never had the, uh, you know, the problem of working in one, but I've heard many people describe them over the last couple of years, and it's it does sound like a horrible experience, and now they have some data that apparently uh, shows that to be the case. Now, I don't think you have an open office, right, Rob? I have a quasi-open office. We have we have kind of it's kind of weird. We have giant like two-person cubicles that we share space with, but it's still a cubicle. So the the above the cubicle is open, and it's you know, we're like a creative company or whatever. So it's, they're like see-through cubicles and it looks pretty cool and it lets lots of light in, but it's kind of a combination of, I'd say it's a combination halfway in between like an open office and like a cubicle thing. And this article, I believe wasn't even, wasn't talking about cubicles. It was talking about kind of like basically like a high school lunchroom where everybody just walks in and plops down with their laptops and starts to work. And yeah, that's, that's the, you know, the far right extension of it. And then, you mm-hmm. know, all the way to the left is, you know, everybody's got their own door and a, 
soundproof room, but yeah, <laughs> just the whole idea. Where is it that you go to think in a lunchroom? Exactly. Well, one of our, and I'm not going to say the names, but actually a couple of our clients that I work with on a regular basis have these open office plans. And uh, this article was interesting because it says that basically people try to, because they're out in the open all the time, these people try to isolate themselves with headphones. And then if they have to have a meeting with two or three people, they don't want to like disturb everybody around them. So they go to a separate room. And the two different companies that I work with both have like, you know, on the spot conference room kind of things where nobody can reserve them. And then they've got little, you know, they've got little nooks and crannies throughout the building where you can kind of huddle with a couple yeah. people and and people literally have meetings down in the cafeteria all the time because they don't want to bother the people that are next to them and they're encouraged they're encouraged not to sit next always they're encouraged not to sit in the same place every day because they don't want anybody to get and it's just like this is horrible. I mean what's wrong with like they don't even they don't even allow the one company doesn't even allow people to like have stuff on your desk so you can't really like have a picture of your wife and kids or whatever on your desk unless you bring that in every day and set it down wherever you're sitting which is just asinine you get they get a they get a locker and uh, you put everything in your backpack and you walk around it's just like come on this is horrible and I'm I'm really yeah. everybody's been complaining. Everybody that I've been working with at this at this company has been uh, complaining about it. You know, ever since they switched over about a year and a half ago, and it's nice to see some data actually backs up the fact that backs up the feeling that everybody's had has that it's terrible. Oh yeah, I've never encountered anyone who ever thought it was a good idea unless they were the one paying for the building of it because it's really cheap to do. That's that's the key. That's the key point right there. Is that it's not about increased productivity or anything else. Is that there's two things that drive the whole open office concept. One of them is management by fad, and the other thing is management by bottom line. And you know, you, you can you burn your people capital for a while, but and save money. But eventually, you start driving off your best people with this kind of arrangement. I've seen it happen in IT, where you know you yeah. you, you end up plump, put it crowding everybody into a room and nobody can get anything done, and then all of a sudden people start finding jobs elsewhere. Yeah, it just doesn't. Now the 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 photograph in the article that we're that we link to here, you know, it looks like people have a. At least it looks like they have a semi-permanent setup at their desk, but they just don't have any cubicle dividers. So that's like one level of badness. But then to not let people like put stuff on their desk is just that just seems cruel for really no reason. Well, what it does is it makes everybody a cog. You don't have to worry right. about you know <laughs> some anybody leaving because well. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you fire them, they're gone immediately. They leave no imprint behind. Yeah, <laughs> it's like green employment. You know, change nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what quite what I'm trying to say, but it's it's awful. I have, a, all I have a feeling that we're 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 preaching to the choir here on this one for basically anybody who's listening to us. And there's probably like you know two percent of the population who thinks this is a good idea, and unfortunately. They're the ones that are in charge of some of these companies. Yeah, we should open it up and, you know, if our listeners, 
if there's one or two out there that think it's a good idea and that it's working well, I, I'd really be interested to understand the situation. Because, oh, me again, too. I've just never seen it be a, a good thing and, unless you're actually, I mean, I uh, one gentleman I work with, he's pretty convinced that they went with the open office approach just to thin down the uh, people number of people working there. You know, instead oh, wow. of having to, you know, we don't have to fire you if you leave. <laughs> Yeah, I actually will buy on that. I've seen, I've seen something that. Yeah, I I buy that. I I'll say this much: I've seen semi open office work and in informal level, where you've got a small group of people who are working on the same, literally the same project. In this case, it was a big software rollout that we had to do, and we were sitting there, you know, just talking to each other across. And we basically moved into a big conference room, and there were four of us. And, yeah, we're all at the same table, so that's an open office. But that's four people working on one problem for an extended time, not, you know, 40 people doing several different tasks, all, you know, stepping on each other. Oh, right. I mean, there's always going to be situations where, yeah, you want to be with some people, and that's where you have – that's why you have conference rooms, and that's where you have places where you can get together and work. And even if if it's a longer-term thing – but it's situational. It is situational. And it just, to me, it shows a basic lack of respect and valuation of your employees to not give them some semblance of privacy. But. Not so much privacy. I mean, I guess I agree, but it's not so much privacy as not allowing them to place their own mark and mark their own territory. Because mm. the whole don't bring in the pictures or anything is more about this belongs to the company, not to you. Yeah, You know, is that not allowing an employee to say, okay, this is my desk, my space, my work, allows them to have no ownership of what they're doing. So why should they care? Yeah, and that's just so counterproductive. I can't imagine. I mean, I don't understand. Well, I mean, I don't understand a lot of things, but I really don't understand how the leadership can be so blind to people's feelings. I mean, it's just, it, they're so insulated. They're so in their ivory towers. And of course, everybody who's making this decision has their own private office that they can close the door and make sure their assistant doesn't uh, bother them. Not always, but yes, frequently. In the case of the two companies that I work for. And I don't, I don't know, Dave, how your company is. Do, do, the, do the higher-ups at your company get their own offices? Well, fortunately, this wasn't taking place where I was at. I was talking with people who were working at other locations. Um, where I was at, they actually implemented a, a variation of this where the higher-ups did have their own space, but it was nothing but glass between them and everywhere else. So, um, audible audio privacy, but not visual privacy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, a, that's at least civilized, I think, because at least then you can... You know, you don't have to, nobody's looking over your shoulder and you can have a conversation on the phone without people listening in. Well, that's the other big part of it. A lot of my work in the past has been done over the phone. And if you can't hear what somebody's saying over the phone because you have seven people in the room all talking on the phone and it's just a little who can talk the loudest contest that just devolves into no information being transferred anywhere. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. We sure appreciate you listening and uh, sending us messages. All right. Thanks, Carney. Say goodbye, Carney. <laughs> goodbye, Carney. 
and say goodbye, Dave. Until next time. Thank you all. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.